title of my message tonight is Keep Looking Up. I'm bringing this word tonight because how many of you know that this life has a way of causing us to look down? Amen. This world has a way of lowering our heads and lowering our hearts and even lowering our countenance. It has a way of discouraging us and disheartening us and getting our eyes off of God. Uh, Just like it was with the Israelites when they were pressed in at the Red Sea. But Isaiah 40, 26 says, Lift up your eyes and look up to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each one of them by their name. Because of his great power and his mighty strength, not one of them is missing. And that's exactly why the Holy Spirit encourages us to look up to the heavens, because the one who keeps the stars in place has the power to keep us in place. Amen. He has the power to keep us from stumbling. He has the power to keep us just in his care. So look up, because the Bible says your redemption draws near. Look up. Because help is on its way. Amen. How many of you are glad we have a God that's able to help us, able to keep us, able to go with us? So that's a little bit of what I want to look at tonight. Again, the title is Keep Looking Up. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord one more time in prayer. Amen. Father God, we thank you uh, that you are here. We thank you, Father God, for the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. And Father God, so often we can forget how precious that blood was and how costly the sacrifice was that you made for us, Father God, that even while we were yet sinners, you died for us, God. And if you're willing to give us your son, how much more are you willing to give us everything else that we have need of? And Father God, I just thank you that you love us that much tonight, Lord God. I thank you that you love us enough that you will visit with us tonight, God, that you're willing to open up your mouth and bring forth the words of heaven. God, I pray as always that you would anoint my mind, anoint my lips, anoint my body. Father God, that I might do your will this evening, God, that you might bring to my remembrance all the things that I've studied Uh, Father God, that you would give me the revelation and the truth, Lord God, that I need to share these words with your people and that you would, as always, give them ears to hear and hearts to listen. That you would just build us up tonight, I pray, O God, in the most high faith. Come against every hindering spirit. Come against every distraction, against the cares and the worries and the frustrations of the day and of the week, God. And I pray that just for this brief moment, we can focus on you And that we would just give our time to you this evening, God. We thank you for your goodness and your grace and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. I've taken the title of my message this evening from several scriptures, including the one that I read in the opening passage from Isaiah 40. But I'm going to start my message with Luke 21, verses 25 to 28, where Jesus said there will be signs in sun and moon and stars. And on the earth dismay among the nations, in perplexity at the roaring and the raging of the sea and the waves, men fainting from fear at the expectation of the things which are coming upon this world. But when these things begin to take place, Jesus said, straighten up and look up, because your redemption draws near. 
How many of you are glad that in the middle of a mess and in the middle of chaos and in the middle of the, the things that this world will face, we have a Redeemer. We have a help. We have a soon coming King that is able to uh, redeem us from the trials and the troubles of this world. And even though he said this a number of years ago, 2,000 years ago, he says the same exact thing to us today, church. When the seas of life begin to rage and begin to rule. Uh, When there is dismay and discouragement among the nations or even amongst yourselves, when your life is filled with fear and worry about tomorrow and what life might hold, he says, don't look down. He says, don't lose hope. He says, don't be discouraged and don't be dismayed because your redemption draweth near. He said, don't look down, but look up because our salvation and our hope and our help is on the way. Amen. It's something that we are should be thankful for. It's why David said, O Lord, in the morning shall I direct my prayers unto you and I will look up because David knew his help came from God. Amen. He knew his help came from the Lord. He knew his help came from a higher place and it didn't come from man. He directed his prayers upward, church, because he had a higher hope like we talked about a couple weeks ago. Again, how many of you are glad we have a higher hope? That we don't have to put our hope in man, that we don't have to put our confidence in man. We, We can put it in our strong and mighty God. One of the things we have to understand is that when God calls us to look up, He's not talking about a physical gaze. He's talking about a spiritual awareness. He's not talking about taking out a a pair of binoculars like this man is and having them set towards heaven. He's talking about looking up with spiritual eyes. He's talking about setting our gaze towards God and setting our hearts towards heaven. It's one thing to have our eyes set towards the sky, but it's another thing to have our hearts set towards the Father. So when I talk to you this evening and the Holy Spirit talks to you this evening about looking up, He's not talking about this. He's not talking about that. That's just symbolic of what the Lord wants of our heart and it's what He wants of our life. It's where He wants our mindset and our heart set and our soul set. He wants them all to be set toward heaven and directed towards God. He wants our gaze set towards God and our heart toward heaven. According to the Word, one of the most important reasons for us to look up, and I'll look at a few as we go through this this evening, but one of the most important reasons for us to look up is because Christ is coming soon. Amen, church? Because the night is far spent and the day is almost come, the Bible says, because the hourglass of God is almost run out of sand and the day of his coming is closer than it was yesterday. How many of you know that every time you wake up, we're that much closer to the coming of the Lord? Every day that we wake up, we're that much closer to what we might call the the snatching away of God's people or that much closer to, to the rapture or that much closer to the second coming of the king. The reality is we need to look up because the Bible says in a moment, 
It says, in the twinkling of an eye, the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, the Bible says, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet blast of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and those who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds, and forever we will be with the Lord in paradise. Amen? That is one of the reasons why we need to look up. And it's the most important reason that we should look up. Because the coming of the Lord is near. Because the day is almost upon us. We need to look up because the rapture could take place any moment, church, according to the word of the Lord. And the only ones who will see it are those who are looking up. Not those that have a pair of binoculars staring out into the sky. Because the reality is, listen to me, you could have your your eyes set to the sky every moment of the day. But unless your heart is set towards God, you'll miss the rapture. Unless your heart is set towards God, you're not going to see. You're not going to see the coming of the Lord. It is reserved. It is a moment that is reserved for those who have a heart that is set towards God. The ones that are left, they'll see the aftermath. The ones that are left, they'll see the destruction and the devastation. They'll see the results of the the righteous being taken up from the earth. But the reality is the only ones that will see or be part of the rapture church are those who are looking up. Those whose hearts are set towards God. Those whose face is set towards the Father. You see, the reality is your heart could be set in a hundred different directions. The reality is you could be like me at some at some stages in my Christian life where I could be sitting in the house of God, looking at the pastor, looking at the pulpit, looking at all these spiritual things. But my heart was set towards the world. You could be sitting in the house of God tonight and your heart not be directed towards the father, your heart not be directed towards heaven. Your heart could be directed towards a hundred different places, but the reality is God is calling our hearts, not just our eyes, to be set towards the heaven. Amen? The reality is the rapture or the snatching away, as Scripture calls it, is a one-time event. When ready or not, God will come. You see, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, and I know I've shared this before, and I don't like to repeat myself, but it fits the message. You see, when I was little, we used to play hide-and-seek or fox or hound or sardines and all these other games where someone would go hide and then there would be a finder and the finder would count to a hundred. But when we were kids and we were amateur uh, uh, amateurs in these games, we would count to a hundred and then say, apple, peaches, pumpkin pie, who's not ready, holler I. And if you weren't ready, you'd holler I. But the more experienced you became in the games, and the older we got in the games, we'd count to a hundred and then say, ready or not, here I come. And the reality is, the rapture is, the rapture is just the same. The, the, the clouds aren't going to roll back, church, and the trumpet of the Lord's not going to blast, and, and the voice of the Lord's not going to say, apple, peaches, pumpkin, pie, who's not ready, holler I. He will say, ready or not, here I come. And it's why we must look up. It's why we must keep looking up, church, because the, the coming of the Lord is nearer than it was yesterday, and only those whose hearts are set towards God, will be caught up together in the clouds and be forever with the Lord in the air. The reality is there will be no encore performance of the rapture. 
The reality is there will be no pause button, no stop button, no rewind button when it comes to the coming of the Lord. There'll be no redos or do-overs. It is, it is our one-time chance and opportunity to forever be with the Lord in paradise. It's our one-time chance, one and only chance to avoid the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation that's coming upon the earth. It's our one and only chance as, as God's people and the church to avoid the, the seven bowls of judgment that will be loosed upon those that are left behind. It's why we must keep looking up because the coming of the Lord is near and we must be ready. Our hearts, church, must be set towards the Father. Our hearts must be set towards heaven. We must always have our face facing the Father. Or we risk, church, being left behind. It's one of the reasons that we must continue to look up. The Bible makes it clear in Luke 17, 34, that on that day, when the people of God are snatched up on that day, when the rapture takes place, that God will come like a thief in the night. And those who are not ready, those who are not watching, the Bible says, those who are not waiting, those who are foolish, those who are asleep, those who do not have their gaze or or the eyes of their heart set towards the Father, they will be left behind. The Bible says two will be sleeping in one bed. One will be taken and the other will be left. It says two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. It says two men will be out in the field plowing. One will be taken and the other will be left. Why? Because one had their heart set towards God and the other had their heart set towards themselves. Because one had the eyes of their soul focused on the Father while the other had the eyes of their heart focused on the world, on things below instead of things above. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye... Those who do not have their heart set towards the Father, those who are not looking up towards the heaven, they will be left behind and they will have to endure seven years of trial and tribulation and experience the seven bold judgments of God that will will eliminate one-third of the population, possibly two-thirds of the population. I'm not, tell, I'm not saying all this to scare you. I'm telling you it's one of the main reasons Jesus says, look up, for your redemption draws near. It's one of the reasons why He's calling us and stirring us to open up the eyes of our heart and get them focused in the right place, because otherwise we will be left behind. Listen, please understand, we could be in the church for 15 years. And still have our heart focused in the wrong direction. We could have grown up in the church. Listen, there was a number of my years. I thank God that he got a hold of me early. I thank God he got a hold of me early on in my life. But the reality is, we can spend a lot of our years in the house of God, amongst the family of God, and still not be looking up. Our eyes and our heart could be focused in the wrong direction, church. The truth is the only ones who will be caught up, the only ones that will be snatched up, the Bible says, are those that are looking up. Those who have their heart focused on the Father. And again, when I speak about looking up, I'm talking about the soul that faces God. I'm talking about a soul that, 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 that longs to look in no direction other than towards the Father. 
the, the soul that, that, that is always looking towards the cross of Jesus Christ like we sang. You see, listen to me. That song, when your heart is focused on the Father and your heart is focused on Christ and your heart is focused on the cross, when we sing that song at the cross, at the cross, it means so much more, church. You see, the sad reality is there's a lot of people who have yet to look to the cross. Even in the house of God, they have yet to turn their gaze to the cross. Because when you look at the cross, please understand this, it costs something. To gaze upon the cross, it costs something. I don't know about you, but when I, when I first saw the passion of the Christ, and I saw what He did for us, I wept. Because when you look at the cross, and you see the cost that it, that it cost God, Something happens in your heart, church, and that's, that's the point that I'm simply trying to make, that, that we need to have our hearts, the eyes of our hearts, set towards the cross, towards Christ, and towards the Father. A soul that's facing in the right direction is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about looking up, church. In the Old Testament, and here's where I want to teach you, in the Old Testament, the temple and the tabernacle were to always face east. There's a lot of prophetical meanings about the temple facing east, and I'm not going to get into all the, prof, the prophetical stuff. But if you read the scripture, you'll see that Jerusalem is in the east. The Mount of Olives is in the east. The sun rises in the east, the Bible says. And lightning flashes from the east, according to scripture. But the most important thing that we need to understand is that when the Lord returns, He will return from the east, the Bible says. When, when He comes riding on the wind... On a white horse, church, in order to come as our conquering king, he will enter into the city coming from the east. He will put his foot down on the Mount of Olives and he will walk down, church, through the, through the eastern gate of the city and he will sit upon the throne of David and he will reign over our enemies for 1,000 years, church. That's what, that's what it means when, when the, the, the temple of God or the people of God need to face the east. That's part of the process. Process. Our soon and coming King will come from the east. And it's why our eyes must always be set towards the Father. It's why we must always be looking up. Listen, I want to I segue away from this second coming of Christ to, to now when, when the enemies are round about you. When you find yourself in the middle of a mess. When you find yourself pressed in, church, when you find that, that the hounds of hell are snipping at your heels, when Pharaoh is marching in against you, when sickness overtakes you, when all of the, the darkness of this world tries to surround you, it's in that same exact moment that we must look up. Because our redemption draws near. We don't have to wait for the coming of the King to experience the goodness of God in our life. As long as we're looking to God, as long as we keep looking up, church, we give Him opportunity to come through the gate of our life and rule and reign over our enemies, church. Again, we don't have to wait for them right now. God wants to rule and reign over your enemies. Right now, God wants to rule and reign over your trials and your tribulations and your situations and your circumstances. And I'll teach it in more detail as I go. But the way that happens is for you to have your eyes set towards God. It's to keep looking up. This is how we, this is how we become 
conquering instead of being conquered, church. But in the Old Testament, this is what we read, that that the tabernacle was supposed to always face east. And if we are the tabernacle of God, if we are the temple of the Most High God, which the Bible calls us, church, if we want Him to rule and reign over our enemies, then we too must be facing in the right direction as well. Amen? Our hearts must be always facing God, or He will not and cannot come in. God doesn't force His way in, church. He won't force His way into your life. He won't force His way into your marriage. He won't force His way into your household, to your family, to your business. He won't force His way in. You have to open the door and let Him in, church. You have to open your heart to God and allow Him to come in because He will not force Himself. And if your heart is not facing the Father, He will not come in. Segue again a little bit and remind you that that's what repentance is all about. That's what salvation is all about. It's about turning our heart away from this world and toward God so that He might come in. It's what repentance does. It's what salvation is all about. When you and I are wandering in our sin, when you and I are out in the world doing what's right in our own eyes, we've got our back towards the Father. When you and I are living in sin or lived in sin, and and I'm hoping everyone here now that they've been redeemed and they've been bought with the blood and they're not living in sin. But the reality is there came a point in our life. It's what salvation is. I'm walking this way. I'm living in sin. I'm living for myself. And for me to get saved and for the Father to come into my life, what do I have to do? I have to turn around and face the Father or He won't come in. You see, the sad reality is this is where a lot of us are in life. Jesus is back there. God's back there. The kingdom of God's back there. We're facing the world. We're facing, we're facing all the, the pleasures and the, and the goodies of this world. We've got our back to God and we're saying, come in, come in, come in, come in. Well, He won't come in. The reality is God won't come in unless you're facing Him, church. You've got to turn your back to the world. It's what it's all about. And once we say yes, when we say no to the world and we turn ourselves and we turn our face towards the Father and we face eastward with our soul, church, not not some north, south, east, and west geographical location or direction. I'm talking again about our heart being set towards the Father. When we turn from the world and turn towards God and set our gaze towards the heaven, guess what? God comes in. The Lord comes in. Our Redeemer comes in. Everything we need about God, it comes into our life when we set our face towards the Father and when we keep looking up. You mean I have to do more than just ask Jesus into my heart? Absolutely. I know that's good for kids. And you you want to question my theology on this? See me another day, but not tonight. The reality is, again, not theological. There's nowhere in the Bible where it talks about asking Jesus into your heart. What it does, it talks about you turning your back to the world, turning your face towards the Father, repenting of your sins, asking Him to forgive you of your sins. And when you do that, the King of glory will come in. That's what the Bible says. You can ask Jesus to come in your heart a million times, a thousand times, but until you turn your back to the world and repent of your sins, Jesus will not come in. He's a jealous God and He will not share the throne of our heart. You give it all to God or you give it to the world. He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold because I can't stand when you're in the middle. 
That's what he wants. He wants someone, man, if you're going to go live for the world, go live for the world, God said. But if you're going to live for me, then live for me. You're not going to find God in the middle ground. Makes him sick, the Bible says. So if you want God to come in, you know what you got to do. You got to start looking up. You got to start directing your heart towards the Father. You got to start setting your gaze towards heaven and get it off the things of this world. Get it off the corruption. Get it off the pollution. Get it off of all of the junk of this world and start setting your gaze towards the Father. That's what we need, church. That's what we have to have happen in our lives if we want God to come in. Amen? Ezekiel 43.4 says, And the glory of the Lord came into the temple through the gate facing east. The glory of the Lord. The majesty of the Lord. The bliss of heaven. Look up the word glory, what it means in the Greek and in the Hebrew. The glory of the Lord is the bliss of heaven. It's the treasures of God. It's the wealth of God. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about heavenly kingdom wealth. I'm talking about things that this earth can't give you. I'm talking about joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. I'm talking about a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace the world can't give and and a peace that the world can't take away. He said, the glory of the Lord, the authority of the Lord, the strength of the Lord, the might of the Lord, the power of the Lord, the bliss of heaven, all of those things came through the gate facing east. And when you read all through Scripture, it was the only gate that the glory of the Lord ever came through. It was the only gate that the glory of the Lord ever came through, church. So what does that tell me? It tells me that if the temple of God... It tells me if the tabernacle of God is not facing in the right direction, the glory of the Lord can't come in. It means that the abundance of the Lord can't come in. It means the bless of heaven. It means that the anointing and the favor and the peace and the joy, it means that all of those things that come from the kingdom of God, if we are not facing in the right direction as the temple and the tabernacle of God, His glory won't come you see, the reality is, listen to me, church, there's a lot of marriages that, 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 that they reflect hell more than they do heaven because they're facing in the wrong direction and the glory of the Lord can't come in. You see, marriages mess up when someone or both turn the gate of their heart and they turn the eyes of their soul in the wrong direction. Listen, as soon as you and I turn our eyes from the, 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 the Father, as soon as we turn our heart from the, from the heavens, we shut the door to God's blessings. You ever see those pill bottles that have like an outer, has an outer cover with an opening and then there's another opening on the inside and you got to turn them till they line up and then whatever's inside you can get out? Well, you can shake that thing. That's, the way I, that's what I pictured when I was reading this. We're those Christians that we just aren't lined up. 
We just got the opening all in the wrong place. It's facing in the wrong direction. You see, God's blessings only come from one place. His provisions, His healing, His power, His anointing, they only come from one direction. God don't come in the back door. God comes through one door into our life. And unless you and I line up with that door, unless you and I line up with His Word, unless you and I line up with His will, and you, unless you and I line up with His, His covenant church, the blessings won't come in. And we sit around, oh, blah, blah. God's ignoring it. We blame God when the things aren't flowing. Well, guess what? We got our back towards God, or we got it sideways, or we got it backwards, or we got it crooked. And the Holy Spirit is saying, if you would just get your eyes turned in the right direction, if the eyes of your soul would just start looking up, then I might be able to pour something into your life. Listen, when you find yourself in a mess like that, don't be blaming God. Check out your life and make sure it's lined up eastward. Don't go get out your compass. Well, that's where he's coming from. If you want to do that symbolically to God, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to find a place of prayer and say, God, symbolically, I'm just adjusting my heart towards you. And you find east and you pray to the east. Hey, good. Have at it. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm telling you that just because you turn east don't mean your heart's east. Your heart has to be turned towards God. Amen? I hope you're understanding this, church. But the reality is the same thing about the the eastern gate that I talked about, the the temple... uh, that faced east, the, the temple where the gate faced east and the glory of the Lord came in, the same truth applies today because we are the temple of God, like I said. And if we're not facing east, if we're not facing God, then the glory of the Lord can't come in. And it's why the Holy Spirit is calling us to look up. Because the world is filled with distractions and attractions that have the power to draw our attention and our affection away from the Father. You know that as well as I do, church. Every day, the world is trying to distract you and attract you. Because the devil understands that if he can get your eyes from here to here, guess what? The King of Glory can't come in. The Lord strong and mighty can't come in. His favor, His blessings, His anointing, His provision, the heavenly bliss that I'm talking about, it can't come into our lives. It's why the, it's why the devil, he, he tempts us with the, these earthly trinkets. Please understand that all that glitters, you know that isn't gold. But it's what the devil uses to get our eyes off of God. To get our affections, church, directed in the wrong way. Because the last thing he wants is for the king of glory to come into your life. The last thing he wants is that the the abundance of heaven to be loosed into your life. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God's come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Again, if you want that life and you want it more abundantly, align yourself, church. Start looking up. Get your eyes off the junk. Get your eyes off this world. Set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Amen? Just start changing the way you look through the eyes of your heart. David said in Psalm 24, 8 and 9, what I just said, Who is the King of glory? He is the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. So lift up your heads, O gates. 
And lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory might come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. And here it is, David is giving us the, a little mini-sermon of what I just preached. If you want the King of glory to come into your life, lift up your heads, O gates. Lift up your head, O ancient doors, so that the King of glory might come in. Listen, you think the King of glory comes into this? Oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm such and having such a cruddy, horrible day. I can't believe the Lord's forsaken me and He's forgotten about me and He don't love me and He don't care about me and no one else has called me and no one else has... You think God comes into that? You think that's going to loose the King of glory into our lives? Because you're looking down. When you find yourself in that kind of mess, you start lifting up. If you've got nothing to say, you just lift up your eyes. And you lift up your hands. And you lift up your heart. And I don't care if a single word comes out. Just change the direction of your countenance. Change the direction of your heart. Change your step. Change your stride. Lift up your shoulders. Lift up your hands. Do something that demonstrates to God that I want the King of glory to come into my life. That's what we need to do. So that the King of glory might come in. The reality is, if we want the King to come into our lives, or the glory of the Lord, again what I said, abundance, wealth, treasure, honor, splendor, brightness, power, strength, majesty, and bliss. These are all the definitions of the word glory. All of them. And if we want the King of glory to come in, if we want the Lord strong and mighty to take residence in our soul and conquer our enemies. Read what it says. He is the Lord mighty in battle. Listen, when you find yourself surrounded by the enemy, who do you need? You need the Lord strong and mighty, mighty in battle. You need the one that has the power to step down. On the Mount of Olives and overthrow every single one of our enemies and rule and reign for a thousand years. If you want that power in your life, if you want that power over the enemy, if you want the enemy under your feet through the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, then lift up your heads and lift up your hearts. So that the King of glory might come in. Let, uh oh. Oh, I hope you're getting this. I don't know about you, but I don't want some peon reigning in my life. I want the King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, ruling and reigning in my life, sitting upon the throne of my heart. But if my heart's closed, if I'm more tantalized by these tiny little trinkets of the earth, that's what he's going to let me have. God will let you have what you want. Listen, some of you, I'm not pointing at you guys here to look down on you, but you know as well as I do that some of you have played with trinkets and it's gotten you nothing. Some of you have played with trinkets and it's gotten you nothing. I've played with trinkets and it's gotten me nothing, church. But I had to come to a place in my life where I lay all those 
tiny little things down and lift up my heart and lift up my head and turn my back on those things and turn my face to God so that the King of glory can come in. Two different lives, church. Down here or up here. You can't be seated in heavenly places when you're playing with the things of this world. You can't experience the the bliss of heaven when you're playing in the the pollution of this earth, church. It's what the Holy Spirit... Look up, look up, look up. Keep looking up. In the middle of trial and tribulation. In the middle of temptation. Look up, look up, look up. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Ephendigo found themselves in a fiery furnace, they didn't have their heads down. They had their heads up. When Daniel found himself in the lion's den, I promise you the only reason he might have lowered his head was to pray a prayer. But he looked up. His heart was up even though his head was down. His heart was up. His prayers were up. His conversation was up. Listen, you want to change your life and allow good things to come in? Start changing your conversation. Let your conversation be upward. Oh, good Lord, I talk to people and every word out of their mouth, it takes me down, 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 down. I'm like, where's the shovel? Can we go any lower? I want to be lifted up. Now, listen, please understand. I know there's times you come to me and I know there's times where you got to share the burden of your heart. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about grumbling and complaining. I'm talking about negativity. I'm talking about a lack of faith. I'm just talking about nonsense conversation. None of it points towards God. And they wonder why they're conquered. They wonder why they're overcome. Because they're not directing their conversation. It's not upward, church. Listen, everything about our life. And if you're whoever it is back there or back in that room running my slides up here, I'm all over the place. So don't worry about it. The reality is everything about our life should be directed upward. Everything. Our conversation should be pointed upward. Our prayers should be pointed upward. Our conversations, like I said, should be pointed... Our our worship, obviously, should be directed upward. Everything about our lives should be pointed upward. Our finances should be directed upward in the form of tithes and offerings. And listen to me, church. This isn't to just bash everybody because they're not tithing and giving. But if you want the king of glory, if you want the glory of the Lord, which what did I tell you? It's his abundance. It's his wealth. It's his treasures. If you want those things coming into your life, then you better direct your treasures upward. You better direct your treasures, your tithes, your offering towards the kingdom of God. You better align them properly. The sad reality is more people in the house of God are sowing their money and directing their money into the things of this world than they are into the kingdom of God. And they wonder why their cupboards bare. They wonder why the glory of the Lord's not coming into their life. They wonder why God's goodness isn't upon them because they're just throwing Throwing their money out in the wrong direction instead of towards the Father. And look, again, you put a million dollars in that offering plate, but if your heart's not set towards God, we thank you for the money. 
We'll pray that God's blessings come, but if you want God to release them, you understand what I'm saying. Your heart has to be set towards God. Amen? Our heart should be directed upward. Our thoughts should be directed upward. You know what the devil wants you to do, man? He wants you to think the worst all day, every day. My wife's going to leave me. The report's going to come back. I'm going to lose my job. My kid's going to get this. My kid's going to get that. Our thoughts need to be directed upward. Set your mind on things above. The Bible says, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of good report, whatsoever, set your mind on these things. Think on these things, the Bible says. And when you do, guess what? The King of Glory will come in. The King of Glory. I don't know about you, but I want the King of Glory. Boy, I want him marching through every area of my life. I want him marching through my finances. I want him marching through my marriage. I want him marching through my kids' lives. I want him marching through my ministry. I want the King of glory to rule and reign in every area of my life. Because when he does, guess where it puts the enemy? Right down there. Where he belongs. Funds, our finances, our life, our will, our ways, our wants... They should all be directed towards the Father, eastward and upward. So the King of glory might come in. The speaker didn't like that. If you heard, if you heard that. Should be directed to the Father. But sadly, like I said, far too often we direct more of what we have to the kingdom of men than to the kingdom of God. We give more of our time We give more of our talents. We give more of our treasures to a kingdom that is passing away. And we do to a kingdom that offers us eternal life. A kingdom that offers us joy unspeakable and full of glory. A kingdom that offers us peace that passes. You get what I'm saying, church? We get so wrapped up of sowing our time and our talents and our treasures into a world that is passing away. I call it gold-covered dung. It's what it is. This world is, according to Scripture, it's gold-covered dung. That's what it is. It's passing away. It's polluted. It's filth. It's sinful. And yet we so easily throw our time at it, throw our talents at it, throw our treasures at it. The the devil paints it so pretty. Why? All along. For one reason. One reason. To get us from here to here. He wants us living here. Instead of living there. And here's how I close. Just to remind you. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. The Bible tells us that the devil took Jesus to a high up mountain. And he caused him to look down on the kingdoms of the world. Please grasp this. He took him to a high place and had him look down to all the kingdoms of the earth, the Bible says. And he said, all this, Jesus, can be yours. 
It was a supernatural vision, by the way, of an earthly kingdom. Okay, he showed them, the Bible says, showed them all, all the kingdoms of the earth and all of their glory and said, all of this down here can be yours. You think he's not doing that with you every day? All this can be yours. If you just bow down and worship me. Why do you think he said all this down here can be yours in an attempt to get him to forget about all that that was already his? You see, the reality is all that's yours. All that's yours. Everything that heaven holds is yours. All its abundance, all its bliss, all its glory, all its power. It's all yours. If you are a son and daughter of the Most High, it's all yours. But the devil wants you to forget about it. And he says, all this down here can be yours. If you'll forget about that up there, which is already yours. And listen to me, it works. It works. That temptation, that tactic that the devil uses, it works because every day we go from here to here. Every day, whether it's a pleasure, a treasure or a pain or a problem, the devil uses the things of this earth to get our focus from God from there to here. Why? So that the king of glory can't come in. What you have to ask yourself every day and I got to do the same thing. If, the, if for some reason the glory of God's not coming into my life, I'm telling you more times than not, it's because somewhere in my life, my focus isn't on God. Somewhere in my life, I'm out of alignment. Somewhere in my life. But he took them to a higher place and caused them to look down. All this down here can be yours if you forget about that up there. How different is that? See, look, it's what the devil does. He'll take you to a higher place. He takes the he takes the the executive up to the penthouse suite. Cause him to look out over all of those things below, all of the floors below, all of the people below him. All look down. Look how high you've come. I'll give you all of this. If you just bow down and worship me. He does that to the Christian in order to get their focus off of God. Onto the things of this earth. And before you know it, guess what? The king of glory is not coming into that person's life. But what did he do with Abraham? Well, what did God do with Abraham when God made Abraham a promise? He didn't take him up onto some big high mountain and tell him to look down. He didn't, he didn't uh, work on his pride because that's what the devil does. He, he tempts you through pride. He takes you to all these lofty areas and shows you all what he can give you. But how many of you know that all the things that he can give you, all the all the nations of this world that he looked at? Forgive me if I'm going long, but all of the nations that he looked at, they had boundaries. They had borders. They had limitations. The 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 the, the boundaries of those kingdoms only went so far, church. He was the devil was tempting him with limited things. But when when God spoke to Abraham, God didn't play on his pride and bring him up onto a mountaintop and say, look down, I'll give you all this. Guess what? Guess what he did? He went to Abraham right where he was. In a place of humility. And he said, Abraham, what did he say? He said, look up. He, God never tells you to look down. He said, look up. And if you can count those stars. 
which are limitless, which are beyond measure, which have no boundaries and have no borders. Look up, Abraham. Count those stars because that's how much I'm going to bless you. You see, that's what God does. God has the power to to bless you limitlessly. God has the power to cause your blessings to to outnumber the sands of the sea, the Bible says. To outnumber the stars that are in the sky. That's the kind of blessings that God has for you. And we fall for the tiny little trinkets that that the devil offers us. We settle for what's down here. When God has such a greater blessing and a promise and a provision for us, church, He makes promises that are boundless and promises that are limitless. Blessings that cannot be contained. Blessings that He wants to be pressed down, shaken together and overflowing in your life. But how do we experience them? We have to have our eyes on God. We have to keep looking up, church, so that the King of glory might come in. Amen? How many of you want the King of Glory to come into your life? Stand to your feet. Amen. Well, let's bless the Lord. We can do that. You want the King of Glory to come into your life? If you want God's blessings to outnumber the stars, if you want His limitless goodness and favor, then we must look up. We must turn our heart toward God. We must lift up our heads, O gates, so the King of Glory might come in. Amen. Here's what I close with. Isaiah 40, 26. Lift up your eyes and look up to the heavens who created all of these. I started with it. I'll end with it. He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them forth, each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. How many of you know God has called you by name? How many of you know that he knows the number of hairs that are upon your head? He ordered your days before you took a single breath, church. He knows the plan He has for you, a plan to bless you and not harm you, to give you hope and a future. And the only thing you've got to do to receive that is to set your heart towards God. Amen? How many of you say tonight, God, I'm just going to line myself up with you. Amen? Because I want the King of glory to come in.